It's a pleasure to be with all of you this morning. I don't think I've ever received that much applause in my life, so <laughs> thank you. Certainly a pleasure to be here. Of course, bring you greetings from that beautiful town of Matthews in North Carolina, and where I've had the pleasure of serving as a chaplain, as you already heard, at uh, Covenant Day School. And I believe uh, many of our graduates have come through these hallowed halls here at Covenant College. I have maybe some alum here this morning. I don't even know yet, but maybe I'll see you afterward. But uh, uh, we are glad to have this connection with your school. And I have for a long time have watched from afar of what God has been doing uh, at this school and uh, anticipating that he will continue to use all of you, every single one here, to be salt and light in this world. And I know that you are being blessed as you are working with each other now, as you are building friendships and going through moments uh, and your time here at Covenant College that you will never forget. So I am excited for you. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. And it's my pleasure uh, to open up God's word with you uh, together. So if you're following along, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke. It'll be at the end of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And I'm going to read from a familiar passage we're going to go on a little trip. We're going to travel on a road to Emmaus. A road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things? and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? 
And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Notice these two men, these disciples, at the end of their encounter with Jesus, they say something that maybe some of us have not been able to say for a long time concerning the faith. Didn't our hearts burn within us? And, you know, maybe your hearts burned because of something that you ate right before you went to church. I don't know what you had this morning before you came into chapel. You got a little bit of heartburn, right? But that's, that's different. What they're talking about here is a passion, but not just a wild passion, a complete abandon, although that's certainly part of the picture, but also this sense of connection to God. We sensed him. He was near. He has touched us, and our hearts burned within us. I want to wrestle with the question this morning, how can I sense my faith? How can I sense my faith? Certainly what I'll offer to you this morning from this text doesn't exhaust the question. I think it's just a beginning. And yes, I will have three particular things that I'll go through, but it's not a three-step plan to get there, to sensing the faith. But it's a beginning. And you may ask, why is this question even relevant? It's a good question. Because our faith affirms, even as we heard in this text, that Jesus is alive. And Christianity even offers us a personal and loving relationship with the Creator. And so we would do well to ask, how can I sense the faith? And for some of you, as I said earlier, it may have been a while since you felt or sensed any connection to your faith wherever you may be on the spectrum. And sometimes that makes you feel like you're on the outside of the club. Like there are others in this room who may be more on fire for Jesus, may be more, more ready to go out and, and be missional uh, wherever they may go, whether it's in the streets or in the boardroom or in the marketplace or in the art studio, wherever they may be, right? Maybe you don't feel that. But what is it that we want to feel it is God, and he is immaterial, and he has only been felt in the past through so-called theophanies. So what I mean by that, those of you who don't know what a theophany is, you remember Jacob, but think of Jacob when he wrestled with God in the wilderness and eventually, you know, broke his hip, but, you know, I want to get into all that. But, but then, you know, there's also Moses, right, who went up on the mountain and to receive the Ten Commandments. He's on Mount Sinai, and there were the dark clouds that surrounded him. And in that sense, he had a physical sense of God's presence and was connected to God there. Then, of course, there were those who had walked with Jesus, God who had come in the flesh. Often, we feel that God is hidden from us when we have hidden ourselves from God. Often we feel that God is hidden from us when we have hidden ourselves from God. And that's the place where I'm going to take us to this morning. I believe this text takes us there. That Jesus, the good news is that Jesus invites us to sense him by remaining open. By opening ourselves to him. 
First, by allowing uh, our stories to remain open to his story, by remaining open to his opening of the scriptures, and then lastly, remaining open to his breaking of the bread. Christ is calling us to remain open to him. So as you hear these things, think, where am I shutting myself off? Where am I be hiding myself? So first is story. If God's story is the one that is the primary story that is active in the world and shaping it, how are we doing at submitting our own story to his? Have we decided to become the author of our own stories? I mean, for some of us, maybe we've made that decision and we've said, you know, I'm, I'm the captain of my own soul. I run the ship around here. And, 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 and I even named the name of Christ, but that is my commitment, right? And so maybe it's this belief as Christians that, um, that God is just this cool grandpa that's up there in the sky and never calls us really to follow him or to sacrifice anything. God has simply become this good person to have around. But there's no sense of mission. There's no sacrifice. He's like that, that uncle that supports us when we do well in school and kind of sends us 10 or $20, the Amazon gift card, you know, when we've done well or when we won at a sport or gets us out of a jam when we've gotten into that jam, but never challenges our character or shakes up our plans. But clearly what Jesus had done, what was going on in his life, shook up the plans of his disciples. Cleopas and his friend said that they had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. What God was doing in the world, his story, it mattered to them because it affected their own. All of their social and political and relational and personal dreams hinged on God's promise of a Messiah. But if we're self-made, whatever Jesus may or may not be doing in the world does not really matter to us. It's irrelevant, and we won't sense him. We will not feel him. Our friends in this text were hoping that God's story would reshape their own and would redeem it. What about you? As you put yourself in their shoes, do you have a problem with the way that God is living out his story in the world among us? When you look at the life of Jesus, it was not only resurrection and glory, but also death. And perhaps as we look at some of our own stories, we see that too. Like, I thought that when I became a Christian, it would be nothing but resurrection and glory. What's all this suffering? Why am I experiencing these little deaths in life? You know what? God, I'll take over from here. You've made a big mess out of this. And hence, we feel disconnected. Because there may be some place, some hard place in our life, some place in where we are suffering, and we refuse to let God author it to shape it. God does not waste any of our suffering. We don't have the power to make something great out of it. But if our life is in Christ, not only did he rise from the dead, not only is he ascended in glory, but he also suffered. But if our life is in his, everything that we go through has complete in total meaning because of what he has done. Are there parts of our stories that we are hiding from God? As we're evaluating our faith, we have to ask ourselves, 
who or what we hope will direct our stories. To the extent that we are willing to let God's story shape our own, we will also become more open to a personal connection with God. Second thing, remaining open to God's opening of the scriptures. Right? These disciples, Cleopas and his friend, they believed that God was at work in the world, and they, they tried to let him shape their story, but they found his actions confusing. Right? He had been this is the Messiah. This is the one that God has sent to, to usher in the kingdom of God. But he was killed. And then he was laid in the tomb. And, and now that tomb is empty and he's nowhere to be found. Where's Jesus? But Jesus had invited his disciples to let their hearts be deeply moved by the opening of the scriptures. Now here we are having a discussion talking about sensing and connection and feeling and I've just mentioned Bible study. Really, Bible study. Right? Is, that, is that really what I need in order to feel known by my creator, to feel connected to him in a deeper way, reading a book? But Christ would have us remain open to the opening of the Bible by getting proper interpretations of his word and about how it reveals him. Like if you want to feel closer to someone, you have to learn more about her, right? But for some of us, another Bible study is the last thing that we need. What do I mean by that? You may be struggling to feel your Christianity, but there are so many choices when it comes to Bible study. We've got apps. We've got websites. You probably could get like a personal coach now, you know, for Bible study, right? There's this television programs, all kinds of stuff. There's so much that you can't digest anything. It's overload. It's like gorging yourself at a buffet, and you just gain weight, and you get very little nutrition. And we know how this happens, right? We hop from conference to conference, from church to church, looking for that thing that'll give us a fix. We hop from our favorite teacher to another. It's just, it's so broad. It's all width, but no depth. No depth to our studies of the scriptures, and which I think speaks more to our anxiety and maybe to our self-image than it does to our desire to meditate on the richness of Jesus. And I didn't even mention what I call the, the Bible vitamins approach. You know, take two and call the doctor in the morning, right? There's, take, read two verses real quick and then move on with your life, right? We know that's not doing anything unless, unless, and this is the point, unless we study the scriptures, prayerfully and conversationally. When we go to the Bible, do we come ready to listen as if the Holy Spirit is going to meet us there? There's a difference between getting a Bible certificate and savoring a God who's revealing himself to us. I mean, could you imagine what your friendships would look like if you know, you, somebody had, one of your friends had something important to tell you, and you're like, yeah, just send it to me by text. Right? That would be terrible for your friendship, right? And some of you are there right now. Some of you uh, have some distance within your friendships. And some of us are doing the same thing with the Lord of heaven and earth. But if our hearts were burned within us over the revealing of Christ and the gospel of the kingdom and his resurrection, then we must remain 
open to the opening of his scriptures, tending to them with prayer and with meditation, even if it's just two verses. But third, we must remain open to his breaking of the bread. All these other things that I just shared are really close to my heart, and I've had to learn these things over the year. I don't stand before you as an expert, but as a fellow traveler on the road with Christ. This last thing, though, opening, being open to his breaking of the bread has been especially powerful for me, my own life. If we would feel the heavenly faith, to have our, our faith and desires affected by God, then we have to consider this last opening. If you look at this text again, see how we're invited to remain open to breaking bread with Jesus. These disciples, they were confused. They were sad. They were heartbroken. And yes, they were lost. But they had become enthralled by Jesus' teaching. So they didn't want things to end. They invited him back to the house, right? And they, they wanted to make sure that their new friend was taken care of for the night. Some commentators even say that Jesus, when he sat down to eat with them, wasn't necessarily having the Lord's Supper with them. But then look at Luke's account. He says that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like what some of you did yesterday in your churches at the Lord's table? What Jesus did was enough to remind his disciples of what Jesus would do before any meal, and especially at the Lord's Supper that he had had with his apostles. And then also look at verse 35. It says, in the breaking of the bread, not as they broke bread. The use of the definite article, the, makes it very specific for, at least for Luke, who uses this phrase again in the book of Acts when he's referring to communion. Why am I making such a big deal? out of this breaking of the bread. Because when you break bread with someone, you're building a level of intimacy. Pretty soon here, you all are gonna have lunch with someone else, right? And who you invite to the table and who you choose not to invite to the table says something. You're inviting others in, building a level of intimacy and pushing some others out. When you sit down eye to eye and eat with the Lord, the Son of God, you have to recognize that one of you doesn't belong there. One of you tries to keep standards and the other one is the standard. God is holy. He's our creator and because he has given us life, we owe him our obedience. But you can't eat with someone for long before it dawns on you what's missing in the relationship and how that relationship may already be failing who needs some help. To eat with God is to eat with someone who has every right to let you choke on your food. Frankly, right? Every, every right to let you choke on your shame. Every right to let you choke on your failures and your sins, your brokenness, your wounds. Every right to let you choke on the problems that you're facing. But... The breaking of the bread 
the Lord's Supper reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for our guilt and for our healing. Without his sacrifice, without him taking on for an entire day the wrath of God for all our sins, past, present, and future, we could never have any of God's promises. And that is why he had to suffer before entering into his glory. So when Jesus gives thanks to God for having a meal with these disciples, as he does with each of us, he knows that he has already done what it took to make us holy in the sight of God. This reality really is the most crucial thing that we must remain open to if we would feel the Christian faith. Can you receive Christ's body, which is broken for you? Can you still? Do you actually believe yourself to be a helpless sinner, justly deserving eternal condemnation from God unless he has mercy on you? If so, then take a good, honest look at your lives and ask yourself that there's some sinful desire or practice that you refuse to let Jesus touch. Really, if this is your issue, there's no wonder that you're having struggles feeling the faith. Letting God shape your story and meditating on him through his word really are secondary to this. You ever go to someone's house for a meal and you can tell that things just aren't right? You know, you sit at the table and people there are just not connecting, they're not getting along. It's awkward, right? Maybe some of you have come from dinner tables like that in your own home. The food's good, the decor looks nice, everything's set, looks like uh, something from HDTV or something like that, it's, it's awesome. But there's some hidden hostility, something that nobody's talking about. There's an elephant in the room that makes the whole affair seem somewhat superficial, cold, fake. Was Christ's body really broken for you? For all of you? Even the part of you that makes you afraid to whisper in your sleep? Bring all of yourself to him. Bring your whole life to him. Trust me, your sin is never as bad as you think it is. It's actually even worse. (laughs) But Jesus knew that. He knew that when he suffered for you. To eat of the bread he breaks for you, you have to keep bringing to him what he was broken for, your life. Don't hide your life from the Lord. For Christ says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Finally, I'll say this. It's important to know that in the normal Christian experience, you will not always experience divine intimacy, right? You will not always get the feels. But Cleopas and the other disciple were true believers. They were also in sorrow, waiting for reassurance. And then in times of sorrow, sometimes you do feel distant. It'll happen. But rest assured, if you are continuing to actually remain open to Christ in the ways that I've already outlined. And again, as I said, that's just the beginning. If you're remaining open to those things, to Christ, it is only because the Spirit of God is already near you and at work in you. If you would surrender to the Spirit even in your sadness, even in your doubts, your pain, even in your confusion, and even in your waiting, then Christ will come to you and refresh your soul 
as you are living in his story, as you are abiding with him in his word, and as you are breaking bread with the Lord Jesus. Draw near to God, the Apostle James says, and he will draw near to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this glorious day. We are in need of your touch. Just as you are renewing the face of the earth, we ask that you would renew our lives. Come near to us, God, as we take our small steps toward you. Give us the confidence that we need to trust that you will meet us, whether in death or in resurrection or in glory. You are all things, God. Everything belongs to you. We desire for our lives to be shaped by your love, shaped by your grace. Help us, O oh Lord, so that we too may be able to exclaim in the presence of Jesus, did not our hearts burn within us? In the name of the King we pray. Amen.